Here we go. You're listening to Open Mic Friday on Law and Gospel. Today's date, Friday, December the 11th, in the year of our Lord, 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we've got an interesting item to talk to you about. I just put together two books. One of them came from a year and a half Bible study that I did in a congregation, and it took verses from the Old Testament, and there were hundreds of them, and showed where they were specifically fulfilled in the New Testament. Started with Genesis and went all the way through Malachi. That book is completed, and we're going to be publishing it. The other book, I've been on the air over 20 years here on KFUO, and so you can imagine I've got a lot of emails, probably about 1,600 I've counted, and I started looking back at some of them, and I found them to be very interesting. So I thought, well, it might be a good idea to talk about them, and I made a book out of it. It's 144 pages long, and of the emails I received, I stopped at 400 emails. And that book is going to be available. In fact, I'm going to be meeting with an individual who's helping me with a copy machine that I needed to get. So I thought I might just share with you uh, a couple of the emails that... uh, you'll be able to read and see how important KFUO is to individuals who are listening to this. All right. What I did with every email, though, and it took me about two months to do this, I went through all 400, took out the names, took out the email addresses, took out what church they were from, In other words, when you read the emails, you're unaware of who wrote it. However, I have another book where I have all that information. So if it ever became a need uh, for somebody to know that, I've got the information with the proper emails, names, and everything. Uh, So here's a typical email. Reverend Baker. I've been listening regularly to Law and Gospel on KFUO. I find very comforting your analysis of how we get adopted into God's kingdom and the fact that children do nothing to be adopted, but instead are adopted not by their own accord. At a recent Bible study I attended, the pastor indicated that adoption during these times was not adoption of small infant children, but instead adoption was an act that occurred for children in their teen or preteen years, and the child had a choice whether or not to be adopted. Often the adoption was performed by the child's parents to give the child the opportunity for a better life, for example. Is this historical interpretation of adoption Correct. Can you help me understand the most accurate concept of adoption 
that Paul knew during that time. Well, in answer to this, and by the way, I answered all of these 400 emails. I mainly did it on the program Law and Gospel, specifically Open Mic Friday. But I've often asked people when they send me an email to also send me their phone number because I discovered that in writing an answer to an email, I may think it's a wonderful answer, and sometimes I'll get back, well, that was a wonderful answer, Pastor Baker, but it was not what I was asking about. And so I don't normally hesitate on a more complex question to phone the person back and talk with them on the phone. So adoption. First of all, there's no doubt that probably also in Paul's day as well as in our day, uh, people get adopted who can sometimes know about the adoption because they're older. They may be teenagers. And is it not true that, for example, when let's say one of the spouse dies and there's a remarriage, that the person who's now remarried into the family may adopt the children of the previous spouse. And of course, the children would have a say in that. But it's also true that both today and in Paul's day, there were occasions when infants were found, and there's no doubt that Christians would adopt them. Recall the Romans. One of their practices was if they had a child that was female, they often would put it in the wilderness to let it die because they wanted males instead. And Christians would be able to find those children and help them. So the fact that God uses adoption in Galatians and other passages as to how we come into the family is important because we have nothing to do in becoming a part of the family of God. In fact, during Advent, I'm preaching on a series of baptismal verses from the small catechism. And last night and the previous night, I did two Advent sermons. And that's the point I was making. And it came right out of Isaiah that the Lord is our righteousness and that he came to us and baptized. So that's really quite important to realize that. It's kind of like the lost sheep. What did the lost sheep do to get back home? Nothing. The shepherd goes out, finds it, puts it on his shoulders, and carries it home. So that's really very important. Okay, next email. Pastor Baker, greetings to you in Christ. My husband got your website and email address after listening to an interview with you on KFUO. I didn't get to hear it, but my husband said you had many interesting things to say. I was hoping you wouldn't mind 
if I asked you a couple of questions. My husband and I are aiding in a Bible study at, and then they named the church. The topic we are doing at Bible study is working in a non-Christian environment. My husband said you touched on that in your radio broadcast last week. We are having some luck and some difficulties finding out what the Bible says about this topic. I doubt it addresses the specifics of working with non-Christians and non-Christian companies, but surely addresses plenty about non-Christian people. Is there a specific place on your website that may help address this issue? I'm looking for Bible verses that instruct us to what we should be doing to non-Christian environments, when to preach the gospel at work, how to witness at work, what about people who may be afraid of losing their jobs for preaching the gospel or witnessing, and when do we walk away? I really thank you in advance for taking the time to consider this. I have always struggled with this with the issue of working in a non-Christian environment. And I'm hoping to shed some light on the subject for myself and others. Thank you and God bless. That was an excellent email because more and more people are experiencing negative results when they try and witness in the workplace. Now, I'm not saying that Let's say you're at work and uh, there's a number of cubicles with people doing different things. Maybe it's a, a financial business and you're phoning people, trying to get them to get on your credit cards. I'm not saying that you stand up in the middle of all those cubicles and start preaching about Jesus Christ. That would be inappropriate. But how many times do you go and eat lunch? with some of these individuals. Or you may have parties at your home, not so much today with the virus going on, but Christmas is going to be another opportunity. At Christmas, we always celebrated with singing a hymn or doing some reading in the home. And more than once, we would have people who were not members of the family and some who were not even Christian. And they had the opportunity, if they wanted, to ask questions. Yes, we're really different than in the past. C.F.W. Walther, in his Law and Gospel Distinctions, talks about when they were in Prussia, they were forced to worship with other Christians who did not agree with the Bible, say, on the Lord's Supper. And so that's why many Lutherans left Prussia and came to the United States where the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod was begun. But there was a practice in Russia on the part of the government. They wanted people to work for them, but they would only accept people who were baptized Christians. So CFW Walther explains that there was a church in Berlin and the pastors there 
would baptize anyone who desired to be baptized, even if it was to get a job in the government. Therefore, they did not understand baptism properly. They were not believers. They had no faith in Jesus Christ, but they wanted to be baptized, known as baptized Christians, in order to get a job. Today, the almost the opposite is true, that if you're known as a Christian, you're thought to be, well, somebody who is not very tolerant for other people's point of view. Now, that fits with the characterization of Jesus. He was not tolerant when it became the views of others that denied him as the Messiah. Even to his good friend Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, To the unbelieving Pharisees, your father is the devil when you think and speak the way you do. But Jesus still spoke to the Pharisees when he had the opportunity. And remember, we know of at least two of them that were kind of on the Supreme Court of the Pharisees, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who came to faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're in a situation and you're wondering, boy, should I be talking about Jesus Christ to these people? I would encourage you to pray about it so that an opportunity would take place for you to do that. Uh, For example, you know I drive occasionally for Uber, and I pray that we can often get into a conversation. But sometimes when there's more than one passenger, they're talking to each other, and I don't do much talking at all as I drive them to their location. But often when it's a single pass passenger, um, I've got some things in the car that make it kind of obvious that I'm a pastor. And they ask, well, what church do you belong to? And we get into a conversation. But that only occurs, what, maybe 30% of the time, a third of the time. But God, therefore, makes it possible. I think one of the... Uh, the most fascinating occasions, I had uh, uh, both a homosexual as well as another person in the car. We got talking about religion. I was taking them to a bar, and they asked if I would be willing to come in and talk to them for a while in the bar, uh, what we were talking about. And I agreed to do so. It was a, a safe neighborhood, And when I went in there, uh, the bartender just so happened to be a student from Lutheran High South. Talk about God putting things together. And we had a wonderful conversation. And later on, I left and went back to my driving, thanking God for the opportunity that he had given me in order to speak the message of Jesus Christ. But then what we are doing here is going through some emails that I had received. Here's another one. I am a registered nurse and had a sudden opportunity some years ago while working in a local hospital. 
I was going about my nursing duties, checking on the IV fluids for one of the patients, when this elderly patient looked up at me and said, Oh, I just know you're going to heaven. You are such a good person. I looked at him and replied that, Yes, I am going to heaven, but it has nothing to do with what I'm doing. Then I quoted from Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you are saved, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He then said, it does say that, doesn't it? It was actually a very short discussion, but I believe it left him thinking. Currently, I work in a Lutheran establishment nursing home where many of the employees are Bosnians and Muslims. I wish I could come up with a way to tell them about Jesus without being confrontational. They are exposed to gospel teaching if they are listening, even when they are taking care of residents of the nursing home, while chaplains are present and actually have Bible studies and hymns singing daily. But I feel they don't really pay attention to these opportunities. Well, the way I replied to that was, I can hardly recall a time on over 20 years on KFUO where I was talking to an unbeliever and talking about the distinctions between law and gospel, and they were very interested in what I had to say, and they couldn't deny what I was saying, but I can't recall one time when the person said, I'm a Christian. I therefore believe what you say, and I'm going to start going to church because of what Jesus has done for me. Now, a number of those people, we ended the conversation where they would say, I'm going to have to think about what you had to say. And a number of them ended up being in my adult instruction class where I was a pastor for 28 years, and they did join the church. But who knows what else? Remember the Apostle Paul. There is an argument in the church. Some people say, I'm following Apollos. Others say, no, I follow Paul. And Paul says, who are we? We only planted the seed. We only maybe watered it. But it was God who gave the growth. All the credit should go to God. Now, that's really kind of important. So what God is saying here is he'll give you opportunities. And when I went to a nursing home, uh, I had one that I would be there every week for a chapel. And I would try and make sure to gather as many people in the room as possible. And sometimes I'd have 30 or 40 residences. They, they love coming out of the room, singing songs, and hearing the word of God. And I made it very clear. I remember once it was a Jewish woman. And she says, well, you know, we don't believe in Jesus. And I said, but you believe in the Messiah. And then I gave Bible verses to show that Jesus 
was the fulfillment of being the Messiah. What happened to her, I, I don't know. Because when I left the convers uh, th that particular nursing home, when I left the congregation and became uh, involved with the Concordia Mission Society, I did not go back and, and do, obviously, Bible studies. The next pastor ended up doing that. So God does share the word. And similarly with the last letter, what are we to do so we don't appear to be confrontational? Well, let me give you some advice. Part of the preaching of Christianity is not just the gospel, telling them their sins are forgiven, but it's also the law, accusing them of not doing enough to get themselves to heaven. That's a confrontational kind of word. And the best way to do that is say, you know, I, like many other people, thought I was a good enough person to get to heaven until I read what Jesus was saying. If I was good enough to get to heaven, there would have been no need for Jesus to come and die for me. Now, in that way, you're not maybe confronting the person, but they're hearing your message. Why did Jesus have to die for you? Because it's impossible for me to do sufficient works in order to get saved. In other words, use the opportunities, but don't interrupt the workspace in order to stand up and start preaching. When I worked at Chrysler, I was known as someone who was there during the break in school, but that I was going to the seminary. And there were some who kind of made fun of me because I was going to be a pastor. But the longer I worked there was six months that I was at that automobile manufacturing location. Pretty soon, some people would come to me and say, Tom, can you help me with this? And maybe it was a problem with their children or a problem with their marriage. And it gave me the opportunity to share what I knew at that time. And I did not know that much. Remember, I had not yet finished the seminary, had not been ordained. So a lot of times I would get them in touch with a pastor of the church I was attending at that time because I was not really trained to deal with these situations from a biblical point of view. It takes a while for a pastor to get to a point where he can conduct himself with these issues. So you heard three of the 400 emails, and some of them are really going to surprise you because they get into some personal details with parents and their children, etc. That book will be available, and I'm going to be selling it for $15. What you do is, if you're interested in getting it, is you email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. And please give me your 
address to which you want the book sent, and also your phone number in, in case I need to talk to you. What will happen here is that you will get the email in the mail and a bill will be attached. So do not send any money at this time, not until you get the book. Uh, for example, we just sent six books that I publish to a lady. We sent them October the 30th and the post office seems to have lost them. She still has not received them. So we're gonna resend them to her. But right now, the post office appears to be very busy. So if you're interested in this book on the emails that I have received over 20 years, at least 400 of them, give me a ring. And what you will see is how important the radio ministry of KFUO has been to so many people. On Monday's Law and Gospel, we'll take another look from a Law Gospel point of view for the reading for the following Sunday. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.